Right, we'll get started, right? We'll probably need a little bit of background or uh, you'll forget what it is last time. And I didn't really look back in my notes because the last time was quite an emotional thing because Paul lost us and we was our declared sinners that we couldn't find God through creation and we couldn't find the Jews couldn't find God through the law. But Jesus came and Romans chapter 3 declares us to deal with justification. That's the part we're on. That was three words that we start with be Justification that Jesus has done historically and we receive it through faith on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. We'll receive it through faith so that we can meet Jesus face to face and go to heaven. We had a sin problem. The other word was sanctification. It was a present Christ in our life that he is developing his character. We'll receive it through faith. I didn't need to sort me out. God can sort me out. It's his work through the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I become more like Jesus presently. Sanctification. The last word for the Bible students was glorification. That we are nearer the eternal dwelling place now than we were when we started. And one day there will be a day of glorification for we'll meet him face to face. We'll go to our eternal home in a place called heaven and we'll then need to worry another day about anything that troubles us today in the world. So we're still on justification that Jesus did and the cross. And again, I'll say that scripture, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. We're on chapter 4. I'm going to do a little bit of background before we go into the text in chapter 4. There was a great temptation for me to skip our chapter 4. And I'll tell you why. It is really reinforcing. But else I was saying, I thought I'd else came out, I was just sort of saying to her. But this was the chapter that converted Martin Luther. This was the, the shining light for him that got his heart the first to be justified through faith in Christ and faith alone. But it really just reinforces the hell point for justified through faith. And it takes the example for Abraham. But before we get there, I want to speak a little bit about faith. Because if you read this, if you didn't read Romans 1 to 3, and you just read Romans 4, faith is mentioned over 12 times. Abraham, numerous times as well. And Jesus is mentioned just really at the end. So we've got to see if it faith is. And it would be a great temptation. If you didn't attend one to three, you would think it was all about your faith. And it was all about how you come to believe. And a little bit about Jesus. But we can so far that it's all about Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. And our faith is our response to him. So I just want to reinforce what faith is before we go into the text. So you're now like, it's all about me, it's all about my faith. Faith, we've said already, is look to God, look to Jesus. I remember when I used to work in Teen Challenge, or was this teaching I used to do 
update the de-Christian practices, and it tried to summarize godly words in a sentence. So it had belief, so that was like trust in God, they had faith, it's a supernatural power, given for God, it had a definition for trust, and I'm always now a bit wary of trying to simplify a word like faith in a, just a descriptive sentence. Again, as a descriptive sentence in Hebrews, the substance of things hoped for, things not yet seen. But a lot of faith, what can I say? It's a mystery. I think if we're trying to find things, we'll try and get things to the simplest point so we can explain things. Some of the people that asked the exams when I was in Teen Challenge, still at the end of the program, hitting A pluses, still didn't hear an experience of faith. So I want you to hear an experience of faith, and they just, oh, I went to a Bible class, and that here's a definition of faith. We, we, we it's maybe our Western world-wise, we like definitions. This is exactly what it means. Faith can mean loads of things. Every time you look to Jesus, that's faith. Every time you speak to Jesus, that's faith. It says in James chapter 2, 23, it speaks about Abraham. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Every time you believe God, that's faith. Just be careful that we do not try and mark about our godly, deliberate definitions. I could tell you the definition of marriage. Does that mark me a good husband? <laughs> I could show you the certificate. Does that mark me a good husband? No. I could tell you the definition of it is to be a brilliant friend. The exemplary descriptive words. I could tell you the definition of being a good friend. Does that mark me a good friend? We want as a body of Christ to care for is to experience God through faith. It could be receiving you read the word of God. That's just what it looks like it happened to Abraham. God spoke, he believed. God says that's faith. We read God's word. We believe God's word. God says, that's faith. A few things I would say. Faith is invisible to us. But God sees it. When Jesus was in a room, he says, he sees your faith. Can I see your faith? No. Can you see your faith? No. I would say us. It's immeasurable. Jesus can measure it. I can't. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your... He starts it, he perfects it, he finishes it. He works on you. But for me, it's a miserable. I don't care standing here if I'm at strong faith, 
I can maybe tell you patterns that would maybe link us. Strong faith, weak faith, 70% faith, 25% faith. I can't measure it. I can't measure your faith. You can't measure your own faith. You can when they've got a secret life with God, but do you care? Whether you're at 70%? Can anybody honestly say sitting here tonight, oh man, I've got a really strong faith. My faith's really strong. And then the more's born and something happens and the dummies get thrown at the pram and how's your strong faith? I think, let God see your faith, let God measure it, leave it with him. I've maybe just got a mustard seed of faith, but even if I've got it, I can see mountains moved. I would say this, I'll sneeze a bit of explaining. I had to get a word beginning with I to mark it invisible and measurable and ineffectual on its own. That's just why coming from a spoke a lot about faith, you need to realise faith on its own is completely ineffectual. It doesn't mean nothing. It's a vehicle to behold Jesus. The reason I say that is because time and time again I would say this, my faith has got me through. It's about my faith. I might after the pandemic season and uh, try and dare this pick up about that new but it didn't happen. When I was getting my haircut, because how do you want a haircut after the pandemic season? And this was a great hairdresser, but I really appreciate Boya. <laughs> so I was speaking about it. And, uh, oh, how did you get one? I think he was doing secret haircuts, but that's between me him and the Lord and everybody else's hair that he cooked. And I said, Boya, I can't hold I got through without my faith. He was like, oh, really? I said, oh, it was just my faith. My faith got me through. And he said, cut my hair. And I thought, left the shop. I thought, is that a right witness? But I've just said, you can. But I left him with, I've left him with, Kevin's faith is going through. I put the magnifying glitz onto me and my faith. And I can't leave in that shop. That wasn't really only testimony at all to do with Jesus. I can't leave in that shop. There was no power there. He could have been cutting a Muslim's hair. And a Muslim might have said, My faith got me through. He might have been cutting a Buddhist hair. The Buddhist might have said, My faith got me through. Faith on its own is completely ineffectual. It didn't say nothing. But I should have said, Jesus got me through, through faith. But I should have said, Jesus gave me strength, through faith. That's infinitely more powerful than it, I think it's very easy to speak about faith. Well, I'm a person of faith. What does that mean? I'm a person that follows Jesus through faith. Because faith on its own has no power. You need Jesus. Faith's the tunnel 
that leads to Jesus. We'll receive his promises through faith. But you might say, well, think about Jesus and you get the wifey that struggled with an issue of blood and she'd wasted our money and she'd fought through the crowd and she just reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and he turns around and says, your faith has made you well. That's what Jesus seen. Invisible things, visible, immeasurable things measured. And he was able to say, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I think it would have been a great injustice if the woman walked through that point and just told our pals, wow, my faith, my faith made me well. My faith was about my faith. My faith got me up in the morning. My faith got me through the crowd. My faith... I think she went through there and she testified about Jesus. And she must have said, the moment I heard about Jesus and I was desperate and I just got through that door of the house I was barring in for years upon years and everybody would come to see me and I got through the crowd and I reached out because I'd heard about Jesus. He was a miracle maker and I was in need of a miracle. Boom, I wanted to keep it secret. I touched the hem of his garment, the least arm, and I knew that something happened in my life. And that's Jesus turned around and says, Who touched me? And I didn't want to say a thing. And then he says, No, no, somebody deliberately touched me, and I was something within my head to come forward and say, Look, it was me. Jesus says, Your faith has made you well. She would have said, Jesus saved me. And so that's just worth considering when we go into this. Faith, 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 faith. The other thing I'll mention is, oh, let's do the toilet thing again. So let's make that. <laughs> is, uh, it well mentioned, I'll watch the TV. It well mentioned Abraham time and time again. I want to see us even try and enter into some emotion or us or pretend that we're Jews, okay? He was speaking, and this is strong evidence that the people he was speaking in Rome were Jews that got saved at Pentecost and then went back to Rome and planted a church. If that wasn't the case, Romans 4 probably wouldn't have meant if it was ah, non-Jews. Wouldn't have meant so much. So Jews... The, if we just speak about the Torah, the Old Testament, starts with Noah, Noah's a saviour of the world, and it's so much just the Jewish people. But the hero of the faith, the father of the faith is Abraham. In John chapter 8, Jesus explained to the Jews, this is why I am, I've come to save you, I've come to set you free. And they were trying to kill him. And they then proclaimed, look, Abraham's our father. We are saved through Abraham. We are direct descendants of Abraham. And Jesus says, look, if you were anything like Abraham, you would not be trying to kill me. And then they says, okay, our father is God. And he says, well, if, you were trying to, if your father was God, you wouldn't have been trying to get me if you can't find your faith in he says, your father is the devil. 
You know, you got a firehouse, God, or your firehouse, the devil, whatever, Abraham, who is a father of faith. He got saved and 13 years later, they held on to that. Uh, uh, hopefully I spell that's right. Circumcision. Okay, is that, and I can't if I had to like spelling, Alton, is that right? If only did the cafe means ask your mom, can you go home, right? So, <laughs> circumcision was a blood covenant between God and man, the cutting of all the flesh. And the Jews were very proud of this. When David ran towards Goliath, he says, How dare this uncircumcised Philistine come against the armies of the living God? That was major. In the Jewish lifestyle, it was, this is your covenant between God. This is given us. And when an adult male was to become an age, there's no option. Circumcision, that a hero. You had Moses that brought the law, which was moral, a moral code, worship, the Levitical system, which was festivals, Sabbaths, festivals, Ashultars, New Moon fest festivals, Moral Court, Rites of Worship, the Law, and then King David came, and he was seen as a shining light, the King of Israel. This was Jewish history, Father Abraham, covenant with God, circumcision, the only people on the planet that got God's secret name, Yahweh. For the Jews, there's two nations. The Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles is just every nation that won the Jewish. But there's only two mentioned. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. You're neither a Jew, or you're Scottish, or you're English, or you're Mexican, or you're Arab. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. It's supposed to do with, they call them uncircumcised, okay, something like that. <laughs> uncircumcised. There was a nation. Some people say, the Gentile, if you look at the root word, it actually means dogs. But either can, when I was researching, it generally means it's just a nation. You had a nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and the Gentiles was just every other nation. I want us to think, just try and put ourselves, like we've got, think of our heritage. Some of these are maybe proud of the Scottish heritage. Some of them. We've got our own heroes. Go William Wallace. Some would say that Dre Fart was a manipulation of the actual story. I reckon history was named like best lesson at school. That would be our heritage. Brave Fart, freedom. We've got the Covenanters. And I can't have the history to deal with the Covenanters. Some of you will be better to explain that than me. But there's a book. We went to Edinburgh. There was a book that lay. You can't buy this card of Covenanters. There's two 
nations in the whole world that has a covenant with God. Israel and Scotland. When, um, it was under English rule. They tried to get the Scottish clans to bow to King Forever, as I said, I'm not good at history. It was a King of England. And the clans got together and signed it in blood that they would never bow to only King, but King Jesus. And the covenant, I, was a few, I think I've some dark history of bloodshed, didn't always turn out of cheek, okay? But as a covenant, there was some say, that's not me saying, that this is why Scotland is so rich in um, farming and fishing and oil because of that strong covenant before God. I've never want to put too much into that. That's a, a bookmark, that's a theory, okay? It's a thing I was saying. Like, it's in the Bible, okay? Covenant <laughs> <laughs> uh, We've got poetry, haven't we? Mm -hmm. the greatest poet? Mm -hmm. Okay, there's Larry Barnes or Robbie Barnes. <laughs> okay. What's our history? Some are proud, some Ned, some. Some kinds of history to the clans. Some people need to meet some Americans. Or Canadians that tell us exactly how my history was. I never came my history until I met Jack and Colleen for Canada. And they came out of the 14 Challenge. And they was really into the lineage of Scotland. And they were like, do you realise who your lineage is from? And I was like, uh, well, I'm a Duffy. I presume it's Duffy. And I probably back in Duffy. He's like, no, I tested that you were in the Jacobite clan. So I thought, really? Wow. So... There we go. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying that for the try and get the context of how the Jewish people must have felt. We fit. Paul was a wife share next. This is their history. They're proud. They see themselves as a covenant with God through Abraham. They're made right through circumcision. They try their best to obey the law. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they are trying to be moral, do the right thing, gain their own righteousness, and they think they have a divine right to God because of this. Because that was a covenant. I'll make a covenant with your people through the cutting of our flesh, an everlasting covenant. So you can imagine you're a Jewish person, you are Father Abraham, circumcision, your family, the males are circumcised, you think that's it. We're in. We're sons and daughters of Abraham. So, we've got to read verse 1 to 10, Romans 4. Dorico, are you ready? Or you want me to just... Yes, I'm yes? ready. Okay. <laughs> the faith of Abraham. Abra Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and God counted him righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this 
when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yet, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted, of, counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Okay, so you imagine, you think, okay, this is us. And then Paul comes and he takes, Paul said us, okay, he's presuming the debate. The debate after he said justified through faith, faith chapter 1 to 3, he's presuming that the Jewish people will say, oh, but hold on a minute. We don't need that. We're already children. I got it. We don't need the faith. That's new stuff. He's already presuming the argument. So he's preempting, okay, if you want to start there, I'll go back to there. I'll go back to Abraham if you want to go back to Abraham. He says, right, let's look at Abraham. Humanly speaking, your descendants. But let's look. Was he made right at this point? Or was he made right through faith? God shows up. I'm going to mark you into a nation. Leave your family. I'm going to replant you. Abraham believed him and moved. And it was 13 years before he ever did that. So Paul is saying, look, fun was he made right? Was it at that point? You tell me. Or was it the moment he believed? Did God count him in righteous? He also brings King David. He says, okay, your other star, your other hero. Did King David also say this? What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. He said, let's speak about David. He was saved through faith. He spoke about sins being forgiven. He didn't go to the temple at the time. He was the, the greatest moral guy that ever lived. He was not perfect. He had faith. And this is the bombshell. Could you imagine somebody saying, okay, well, you think you're Scottish because of us? You think that? There's another why. And this is the other why. And he's got to say it in verse 11 and 12. I'll just read it. But this is the bombshell. I'll just cut the bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got that heritage. You're Abraham's. You've got Yahweh. You've got the law. You've got King David. And then Paul is saying us in verse 11 and 12, circumcision 
was a sign. We have our signs today, but for them, we have our signs maybe baptism, our signs maybe church attendance. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith, and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. And listen to this. So Abraham is a spiritual father of those who have faith, but have not been circumcised. Abraham, you imagine you've got heritage, history, a lineage. You came the story. You've got your Bible. You rejoice. You would even say to Jesus, Our Father's Abraham. You delight that you are the people of the circumcision. You look at Gentiles as the ungodly, the uncircumcised. Them that God wasn't really into. That there's no history with God with them. And then Paul is telling you that Abraham can be the father of people that are uncircumcised and they're Gentiles of those who have faith but not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And in verse 12, he says, And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. He's saying, Gentiles can lay claim to Abraham if they have faith some Jews can't lay claim to Abraham they can, if they've got faith, a Gentile can or he canna through faith, a Jew can or canna like Clement Abraham through faith. This was God's way of making one family before him. That there was a wall of hostility that would come tumbling down. The wall of hostility was between Jew and was between the Gentiles. And God broke it down through his blood and says, We're all the same. There's no glory in Abraham. There's no glory in circumcision. There's no glory in the law. We glory in Christ and we share faith. And Abraham was an example of no righteousness through circumcision and obeying the law. The law was not given yet. But our righteousness that would come. Through faith. 
I had a question when I was studying us. And uh, the question that I did was this. If Abraham was righteous through faith, and we can have the same righteousness through faith, why did God send his son? It's an interesting question. Abraham lived in the time before Jesus, am I right? Abraham had faith. We have spent a week or two saying this. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. We receive that through faith. And now Abraham, thousands of years before Jesus came to earth, through the Virgin Mary, he has faith. And he is counted as righteous. So my question for that approach to the world was, why did you have to send your son? Because like Abraham, could I not just approach God and I be declared righteous? And then I was reminded of that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. You read the end of Romans, it says, The hell things about Abraham, faith, Abraham, faith, Abraham, faith. I'm going to read the rest of Romans 4 for verse 16, and then we'll read Hebrews 13 20. So the promise is received by faith, it's given as a free gift. I'm reading for verse 16 of chapter 4. We are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. This was the bombshell. This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life, who created new things out of nothing. I'll go forward to verse 23. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit it was recorded, for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he, has, he was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. Right at the end of this, Abraham, faith, righteous, we see Paul yet again bringing it him. To God marking us right through Jesus. Hebrews 13, 20. Is somebody there? Hopefully. Right, Margaret, there we go, there we go. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought, brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, May he equip you all you need. May he equip you all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. 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 The eternal covenant 
through the blood of Jesus. And in Hebrews, I think it's 11, the great exhort of faith, it speaks about Abraham and his faith looking forward. And it mentions time and time again, verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. The amount of faith people have in the Old Testament. Here's the, the conclusion I came to, is this. The blood of Jesus was God's eternal covenant. There's a scripture that says that Christ crucified before the foundations of the world. This might hurt your head, but the blood of Jesus was so effective in God's eye of eternity that it covered the sin for Abedee that would live by faith, past, present, and future. So that when John the Baptist says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He wasn't saying, there'll be a line, and then there'll be 33 AD, that there'll be a Y to receive salvation through faith in the blood of Jesus, and from then on in. That would be difficult for God, really, wouldn't it? Like, far died before that, far believed before that. It's the blood of the everlasting covenant. The question I've got for you is this. Did Jesus die for Abraham's son? Yes. 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 <laughs> Jesus died for Abraham's son as much as he died for my son. He paid for the sin of the whole world that was an eternal everlasting covenant through the blood of Jesus. And the same righteousness through faith that I experienced in the revelation historically, Abraham hid it. But it says, when you read Hebrews 11, all that people were looking forward, they're looking forward, they're looking forward. They hadn't got the full revelation. They didn't come fully fit to expect, but they were looking forward to something. It's justification. We look back at the entire revelation of God that he's given us through his world. And we get the revelation justified through faith. We get the blood of Jesus. But Abraham wasn't looking back. He was looking forward. And it doesn't really matter. When he believed God through faith, God seen the blood of Jesus. It was already a done deal. And Abraham could go into a relationship with, with God. We look back. Looks forward. It, it solves an amazing mystery. The mystery of how can Abraham be righteous through faith. And me be righteous through faith. And I live in AD. He lived in BC. The blood of the everlasting covenant, the sin of the world. If I wanted to come to God and have our sins forgiven, God had made a lie. Well, if I would lie then, why did he do the lie? He tells us why they would do a lie, and we'll probably have been on it, we'll maybe get back on it again. The lie came so that we would recognize we were lawbreakers, that we were in need of forgiveness. 
And we had an eternal sacrifice in Jesus. How are we doing for time? Ten Okay, I'll bring us in a conclusion. Conclusion. How do you apply one of that? The theme is Abraham faith, Abraham faith, 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 Abraham. You said to the Jewish people, didn't look to circumcision. Look to Abraham, look how he got saved. It's the same way Abraham's a father of faith. God said I would make you a father of many nations. Jews and Gentiles have had the equal opportunity to Abraham as a father of faith according to God. That's how I think it applies. Righteousness, which I've already sort of explained, righteousness consistently through faith. If I asked you before you came into this room, if there was a difference in getting saved for the Old Testament to the New Testament, you probably would have said, well, in the Old Testament, folk were justified, they got saved through obeying the law. Jesus brought something new, and now it's through faith. I wouldn't have given ninnies into trouble, because I'm not like that. But now you can, that God was continually consistent through the hell scripture. Abraham was saved through faith. And God counted it to him as David was saved through And God counted it to him as And Jeremiah was saved through And God counted it to him as Obadiah was saved through. God counted it to hammers. There's no record of anybody getting light with God through the law. Jesus is the only and it was perfect. The Apostle Paul, maybe if some of us was writing this before we came to Bible class tonight, when I said, look at Peter. Look what happened in that guy's life. He messed up, but after the cross, he was righteous through faith. And we probably would have started a righteousness through faith class. We are New Testament hero. I maybe would have started with Paul. But Paul says, no, this is good news, but this is now old news. This is the why God has been doing it all along. Our righteousness through faith. Remember chapter 1? It's good news. It's good news. It's good news. Paul is saying to this group of Christians in Rome, about 8 or 50 people, no more than 100, it's been consistent. Through the hell time frame, a righteousness through faith. How do I apply it? There's one family faith. And we need to pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters. Because they only are under persecution. They are blind to a lot of what we're speaking about today. 
they would style out Abraham, circumcision, the law. I wonder if they think when they read that they would maybe get as we would. If somebody was saying, look, your history for you are doing it, your Wallace's, your... Yeah, right now, you're just, oh, that's a lot of this. Yeah, the ancient history. Yeah, poetry that, or maybe be a change in the way you would look at it. And that's what Paul was saying. Maybe been a change. You think it's about that moment, the circumcision moment, but 13 years before that, God declared them as righteous. We've got to have an appreciation of one family, a faith in Jesus. Abdi's got an opportunity. Pray for God's people. That below his eye, the Jewish people, that God would open up their eyes to faith. A family of faith under God. So you can apply it. Lastly, you can apply it to your own circumstance. When was you declared righteous? Find God declare you righteous. I'll give you a clue. It was before you did anything for him. Before your circumcision, for the purpose of the tape I was putting in, it <laughs> quote marks. <laughs> Before your baptism, God declared you righteous. Before you gave to missionaries, God declared you righteous. Before you served on a rota, God declared you righteous. Before you led worship, or was a part of a worship team, God declared you righteous apart from works. I missed this for a long time in my Christian life because I always thought my righteousness was to do with behaviour, which was good when I was on a good form. Definitely safe when I was on a good season. When I was in a bad season, I thought I was lost and completely lost in condemnation and shame. I'm not good enough. And you've got to remind yourself God has already declared you righteous as soon as you believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. If it was said weeks ago, paid in full. Nothing more you can do. No matter how much you give your missionaries, you're not buying your salvation. It's something that saved people do. Apply it to yourself. There's our righteousness for five minutes plus extra time. <laughs> if you like to fit by these days, I could be an extra 20 minutes. Yeah. Right, so he declares righteousness. Ah, my spelling's atrocious. And it leads to works. Abraham's story didn't finish with him here in faith. That was the beginning. He saves people. And then people that are saved are going to serve. When they save by serving, we serve 
to save. Yeah. And James is big on us. If you was to compare this with James, you think I'm a contradiction. Because James says, hey, you've got to prove your salvation by fit you do. If you're a Christian, there will be works. Prove your salvation. They say you're saved by your salvation, but it's their point saying, I believe in God. I follow Jesus in doing nothing. It comes hand in hand. And this is where he picks up in James. I can't probably say, say this about five times every sermon, but I'm ending with this. So I just say it, and then I'll say something. No, I'm definitely ending with this. And I'm definitely ending with this. And then I'm definitely ending with this. James 2 sums this up for me, okay? This for me is the aim of every Christian. And if hopefully you've gotten some light to go on today, but even if you just got that. James 2, verse 21, he's speaking the correlation between faith and works. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God? He was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, his faith and actions were working together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. The aim for every Christian, uh, previously Jew, previous Gentile is to become a friend of God. He had faith. God credited to him his righteousness. He promised them, and he'd failed as well if he came the story of Abraham. He wasn't a perfect guy. God had promised him the nations would be birthed through him. And then as time was ticking on, he was again about all in age, and he thought, my body's slow and doing, I've now got a son. And he then invited Hagar into the story, where I was a maidservant. Abraham went into the tent with Hagar, oops, pops, Ishmael, and God turns up again and says, look, I promised you a son, it's near through Hagar. It's through Sarah. Sarah gives birth to Isaac. She laughed at four in a sarcastic way, and now she was laughing with joy for the belly because God had given her a promised son. And then God says, Take your son, take your promise, walk up that mountain, and sacrifice him. You could imagine Abraham and Isaac going up, and Isaac saying, Father God, who are we doing? As my Isaac would say. A million questions in the way up. And then God, just as he's got the dagger in his hand, God provides another sheep to sacrifice. And then James mentions us, and he mentions about his works and faith. 
He says, and he was considered a friend of God. I want to encourage us as here this evening before we go. If you want a simplified faith, nothing we've spoken about, just be a friend to God. A friend that you speak to, a friend that you turn to, a friend that you worship in awe and in wonder. This life of faith is about a friendship with a holy God. Friends trust one another. Friends commune with one another. Friends love one another. Friends that doubt each other. Husbands and wives. The solidity of a relationship is trust. See, from Amanda, Ruth and maybe others, maybe see a man going to walk offshore. You can follow God. We're going offshore. I trust that even if you drop them off offshore, you're not driving back thinking, I hope they're going offshore. <laughs> and they're not going somewhere else. <laughs> they're there for me. They're there for me. There is actually fair offshore. And they're for somewhere else. When I go to work, Isabel's in the house, I, I hope she's not thinking. I hope he's actually gone to work <laughs> and they gone somewhere else. Because there's this, this trust. If it leads a man to go up a mountain with a son, to sacrifice him. He was a friend of God. God, if you lead me, I trust you. I'll go. It's a life of faith. Michelle, if it leads somebody to go to North Dakota, <laughs> next to you on the freezing cold, and leave the beauty of the brook. God's a friend. I trust him. I'll follow him. He's a leader. I'll go. The aim of every Christian is to have friendship with God. As Abraham was saved through faith, and then his works declared that he was a friend of God. And you trace his life and you think, sometimes you look at think, the hell I got thing, Abraham. I don't know, mention that in Romans 4. But yet God's seen something in every else seen. He's seen a faith. You can measure it. And it says when you read Romans, it grew more and more and more. He grew in his friendship with God. And for us, it's a daily thing. And we make mistakes, and we slip up, and we get dry, and we get offended. But to come back to the place of saying, God, what a cultivated friendship. I do. I truly trust you. I trust you with my salvation past. I trust you with my salvation present. And I trust when I see you face to face, you'll welcome me into our heavenly home. Let's pray. Jesus, we have discussed a lot of things this evening, a lot of explosive things. But we just look to the simplicity <coughs> of Christ, that through faith we would know you, that we would be known, as Abraham was known, to be your friend. 
And then I want to be seen as amazing in the eyes of the world and even the Christian community, but be completely out of sync with being your friend. We don't want people to think too well of us and they'll elevate us. And yet, be you a sink with being your friend. God, would you keep us close to your heart. Help us to cultivate friendship and holiness and a life that would listen and look to you and be willing to sacrifice forever. You would pay sacrifice knowing that we're not saved through our sacrifice but through the precious blood of Jesus and through faith in you and your name in your sacrifice. It's a done deal. You've saved us through the blood of the everlasting covenant that saves all who would believe, past, present, and future. We ask for our churches, or denominations. We simply ask that there be a light upon our lives to reveal and receive the revelation of King Jesus. And once receiving, we would agree, or amen, be transformed and shine your light to this community that badly needs a touch for King Jesus. Help us to be whole people to a broken generation. Help us to be a father to the fatherless. Help us to open up our homes to the homeless. Help us to be generous to the poor. Help us to be truly saved, truly living, truly alive to our friend King Jesus. For we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Bless us. Thanks again. We go out. Romans 4.